This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, we are going to talk a little bit now about consciousness, about hallucination, some really interesting projects that are taking place in the UK and how we can benefit from knowing more about this. Joining me now is Anil Seth, British Professor of Cognitive and Computational Neuroscience at the University of Sussex, also the author of Being You, A New Science of Consciousness. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Good morning, Jill. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Well, it's such an interesting uh, study that you're working on now and the the studies that have taken place in the UK. Can you talk a little bit about consciousness, about hallucination and what you're actually looking at there? Absolutely. And consciousness is still, it's one of the biggest remaining mysteries in, in science and philosophy, at least I think so. And it's also a mystery that matters. I mean, the brain is this incredibly complex biological object. It's got 86 billion neurons and a thousand times more connections. It's incredibly complex. And one of the things it does is create experience. We, we intuitively all know what consciousness is. It, what, it's what we lose when we fall into a dreamless sleep or we'll go under general anesthesia. And it's what comes back when we wake up again or, or come around again. It's what makes us more than mere biological objects and quite how brains and bodies create or are identical to consciousness is one of the oldest questions. But the exciting thing at the moment in the last few years, last 10 or 20 years, is that a lot of progress is being made. We don't have the answer, but I think we're getting closer to understanding, unlocking one of these last mysteries of of biology. And one of the things that's part of that is understanding the nature of perception. When we open our eyes, it just seems to us that the world pours itself into our minds through the transparent windows of our eyes and our ears. As it says, you know, we just take it for granted. We open our eyes and there it is, the world. But what's really happening under the hood in our brains is that the brain is always making best guesses about what's going on out there and using sensory data, that all the light that comes into the eyes and the sound that comes into the ears, to calibrate, to keep the brain's best guesses tuned to the environment. And that's what we perceive And it's really counterintuitive. We experience the world not in this kind of reading out of the world direction from the outside in, but from the inside out. We actively generate our experiences. And when that process goes a little bit off the rails, that's what happens in hallucination, when our brain's predictions lose their grip on reality in a way that doesn't normally happen. And you uh, were part of this big study in uh, various cities in the UK. Uh, I think it was uh, around 40,000 people went into something called the dream machine. Can you explain a little bit how that worked? It was, yeah, I mean, this was such uh, a wonderful project to be part of. It was a project that I worked on with architects and musicians and philosophers, as well as other neuroscientists. And it was a way of really highlighting the thousands of 40,000, as you said, the power of the brain to generate experience. And it's based on what's actually quite an old finding in neuroscience and in art, which is that if you sit in front of a bright flickering light with your eyes closed, and it has to be very strong, it has to be the right frequencies, 
then people, pretty much everybody, will have surprisingly vivid and powerful visual and indeed emotional experiences. And they seem to come from within for most people. And there's, there's still one of the things we're doing in the lab is really trying to understand quite how and why this happens. But my intuitive idea about what's going on is that the brain is kind of experiencing itself. You know, your eyes are closed, but it's being activated. And so the brain is, to some extent, experiencing itself. But when people are in it, they, the number of things happen. Firstly, everybody has a different experience, which is remarkable because they're in exactly the same environment. And in the dream machine, 20 or 30 people at a time would go through this experience. And then when they come out, it's, it, people often find it deeply affecting. They, they, it makes it very clear that all of their experiences are really dependent on their, on their own brains. It brings a lot of these lessons really home in, in the first person. So we try to make this experience as, as widely accessible as possible. And through some funding, we were able to bring it to four cities in the U.K., and indeed to 40,000 people, which was way above what I've ever expected to be able to do. And is, is that something too, as far as what, how we're understanding the brain and how that works in that when we talk about hallucinations, generally, I think there's an idea that it's related to drugs or some kind of stimulant other than just light. That's right. So that's a very common association that, you know, you have hallucinations if you take psychedelics or some other drug, um, or that it's a condition that that is associated with, with mental illness, like schizophrenia or something like that. But I think the truth is that all of our experiences are kinds of hallucinations that I like to call normal perception, just the here and now, as all the people listening are experiencing the world in perhaps the way they always do. It's a kind of hallucination, but it's a controlled hallucination in which the brain's best guesses are geared to reality, tuned to reality in ways that are useful. But there's a, very, there's a very fine line between what we normally think of as perception and what we actually come as a society to call hallucinations. It's, it's more of a sliding scale rather than one thing being completely different from another. And indeed, there are many ways in which we, we hallucinate. There's, it's not just drugs. The, the dream machine, this flickering light is one way. It's a very safe um, way to get some idea of what's going on but you know even if you just look up at i don't know what the weather's like in vancouver today but if it's not raining consistently as it always was when i was there if there are these white fluffy clouds you know people often see faces in clouds and that's a kind of hallucination too we know they're not really there but our brains are just throwing out these predictions of faces into the world and seeing where they stick Hmm. Well, it's a, I hate to break it to you. It's a beautiful sunny day. So you've, you've come during the rainy seasons, but it is a gorgeous weather right now. Um, well, how do we use this then? Or how do you see this being applied to, to everyday life, whether it's a, a medical treatment or, or getting a better understanding? How can we benefit by learning more about this? I think there are many ways this is really relevant to our everyday lives. Uh, there's a te- the tendency we all have just to assume that how things seem to us in our daily experience is actually how they are. And just recognizing that the way we experience things, whether it's the color of, you know, of a car across the road or whether it's an emotion in somebody we're talking to, that's not necessarily the way things actually are. That's our own brain's best guess of what's going on. And we're all different, and sometimes we can be wrong. And just recognizing that our perception is, is it's indirect. It's always an interpretation that opens a little space in our everyday lives that we can work with. 
maybe change things, change how we respond, change how we respond even to our own emotions. And then in, in medicine, there's a lot of excitement these days about the potential of psychedelics to treat depression. I think that's, it is exciting. I don't think it's quite as exciting as sometimes we hear. But these things might work because they kind of break the cycles. They break the perceptual habits that we fall into, where, again, we assume how things seem is how they really are. And psychedelics can, the term they often use, it shake the snow globe. It, it gives us the opportunity to, to learn how to see and experience things slightly differently. One of the things we're excited about is the potential of the, the dream machine to do something similar. In fact, out of the 40,000 people that came through, and we didn't say anything that it would have any benefit at all, but a large number of people told us that it really helped them with, with feeling better, you know, lessening symptoms of depression, of anxiety. And I think probably through the same mechanism that this recognition that we we generate our own experienced worlds can be really helpful in breaking some of these cycles. And uh, Neil, can you talk us uh, talk to us just uh, briefly as well? You have another project that you're working on, Perception Senses. What is this going to do? That's right. So this is something I'm very excited about at the moment. As I mentioned, in, in the Dream Machine, everybody has a different experience, and it's quite remarkable how different they can be. But this is this is happening all the time. It's not just in the dream machine. You know, just as we all differ on the outside in, in skin color and accent, maybe in, in body shape, you know, we all have different brains. So we're all going to be different on the inside too. Yeah, you're listening. Do you remember there was that photo of a dress a few years ago yes. that half the world saw? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> everybody remembers that. And it was fascinating because it's the same photo and it really... For a brief moment, the whole world was aware that they could see the same thing differently, that we live in perceptual echo chambers, just as we live in social media echo chambers. Now, the perception census is a big, ambitious attempt to learn a lot more about how we do each experience the world in our own unique way. It's, it's something anyone can take part in. All you need is a computer, and your own computer at home is fine. And it's a series of little fun, interactive illusions and exercises, little surveys that are allowing us for the first time to paint a picture of this wonderful diversity of mind as well as diversity of, of body. So we've already had about 25,000 people take part from, from over 100 countries, but we're really inviting as many people as possible to do this. It's fun. You'll learn something as, about your own ways of perceiving the world too. And, and together, we're going to I think, make a major advance in our understanding about how unique we, we all are. And I think that's a, a wonderful thing to learn about in science, but it's a wonderful thing to recognize for each of us individually as well. All right. Uh, Anil Seth, thank you so much for joining the show this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jill. It's a pleasure.